MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, November 18th, 2021. Today, the House has censured Paul Gosar and removed him from his committee assignment for his violent video depicting him murdering Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The FBI has raided the homes of Tina Peters and the former campaign manager of Lauren Boebert over election malfeasance. Jacob Chansley is sentenced to over three years in prison. And Steve Bannon waives arraignment and pleads not guilty to his contempt of Congress charges. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello. Hello, Dana. Hello. That whole intro. So many crazy things. And I'm sorry, I shouldn't use that word. So many uh, outlandish things. And just it, some good news and just some ridiculous news. Like um, like <laughs> Bannon pleading not guilty to not showing up or handing over documents when he didn't show up or hand over documents. But we'll cover that later. He's <laughs> <laughs> just into that. But yeah, it, it was it was almost we were we were so close for it to being a wall to wall good news day. But then and I have to tell you about this because this is kind of breaking. As soon as Paul Gosar was censured, not minutes later, he again retweeted the video. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that's like, happening. Well, all right. Mm hmm. Just sort of a, you know, a double barrel middle fingers to I'm above the law and I can I'm going to do this again. What are you going to do? Censure me again. And unfortunately, you can't just expel him because that requires two thirds of the vote and only two Republicans voted for him to be, even be censured for posting that video or retweeting that video. So we're going to get into that a little bit later. And then after that, I'm going to be talking to Adam Klasfeld of Law and Crime, the host of the Objections podcast. We're going to discuss the Jacob Chansley sentence and Travis McMichael taking the stand in his own defense in the case of the murder of Ahmad Arbery. So it's going to be an interesting interview. You want to stick around for that. But the news is starting to heat up before the holiday lull. And my spidey senses are up. I imagine we'll see more indictments possibly stemming from the Greenberg cooperation before Christmas. But a lot of stuff is coming out and the Department of Justice is doing a lot more. So hopefully that'll I don't know, kind of ease the concerns that everyone's having about whether or not, you know, Merrick, where is Merrick Garland? I mean, there's eight days in Hanukkah, AG. I feel like we should get an indictment for every day that the candles burned with that one day of oil. I really do. I feel like that should be our Hanukkah miracle. Eight indictments. I love that idea. Let's write a, some sort of a song about it. <laughs> Someone do that for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And sorry, I threw up before Christmas there. That's just my Catholic upbringing, I should say, before the oh, holidays. Oh, God. But that you, no, I think you did say the holidays. I think you did. Yeah. I technically mean December 25th, honestly. So <laughs> we do have a lot of information and news and things to get to today. So let's do that. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up, federal, state and local authorities searched the homes of Mesa County Clerk Tina Peters and three of her associates on Tuesday as part of an investigation into accusations. The elected official was involved in voting machine security breaches, according to an official who helped conduct the searches. The FBI carried out a court ordered search of Peters home in Mesa County early Tuesday morning, leaving her, quote unquote, terrified. Peters said Tuesday night in an appearance on Lindell TV, an online channel run by the pillow person who, as we know, is a Trump supporter and proponent of discredited claims that the 2020 election was stolen. 
Quote, we executed four federally court authorized operations today to gather evidence in connection with the investigation into the Mesa County Clerk and Recorder's Office. That's District Attorney Dan Rubenstein. And that's who uh, he was talking to Colorado politics. We did so, he says, with the assistant from the DA's office from the 21st Judicial District, the Attorney General's office and the FBI. He added that one of the searches occurred in neighboring Garfield County. Lindell said one of the homes raided by law enforcement authorities belongs to Sharana Bishop, a Garfield County resident and former campaign manager for Lauren Boebert. Peters, a Republican serving her first term as the Western Slope County's chief election official, was prohibited last month by a Mesa County judge from overseeing the election in the county in a ruling on a lawsuit filed by Colorado Secretary of State Gina Griswold, who I love. Griswold cited allegations Peters and her deputy were involved in an election security breach when they allowed an unauthorized person to participate in a routine update of the county voting system software and then allegedly lied about it as part of a scheme to expose alleged election irregularities. In August, Griswold ordered Mesa County to replace its voting equipment after system passwords showed up in a video posted to right-wing websites. Days later, the exact digital copies of the county's election system's hard drive were posted online after Griswold's staff discovered that 24-hour video surveillance of the election equipment had been turned off. A spokeswoman for the FBI's Denver office didn't immediately respond, and a spokesperson for the state attorney general said the office had no comment. This is what I'm talking about when I say these stories are just insane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, if you think back to like Obama's administration, do you remember <laughs> this many crazy stories coming out of people that were involved in government? We had the tan suit. Oh, that's right. There was the mustard suit. And he put mustard on his hamburger. Uh, you know what? Uh, Michelle wore a sleeveless shirt once, dress once. That was a yeah, big right. deal. Yep. Showed her arms. Showed her arms. Yeah. All right. Really nice arms, too. Right. Beautiful arms. Arm goals for days. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go to the House. A bitterly divided U.S. House of Representatives voted narrowly on Wednesday to censure Representative Paul Gosar. I mean, as we know now, he's the Republican of Arizona. And he posted that animated video that depicted him killing a Democratic congresswoman and assaulting President Biden. Now, the former rebuke of the far-right congressman who has allied himself with white nationalists, the first censure since 2010 and only the 24th in history of the Republic, and also stripped him of his committee assignments. Now, the vast majority of Republicans opposed the move against Mr. Gosar, whose conduct GOP leaders have refused to publicly condemn. And of course, that's the latest sign of the party's growing tolerance of menacing statements. Also, violence, like flat out violence. I'm adding them. The vote was 223 to 207. Now you're probably thinking, well, there's there's not that many. There aren't 223 Democrats. You're right. Two Republicans, Representatives Liz Cheney of Wyoming and Adam Kinzinger of Illinois. They joined the Democrats in favor. And there was one other Republican, Representative David Joyce of Ohio, who voted present. A coward. Uh, The vote and the incendiary, emotional and very personal debate leading up to it laid bare the divisions of the moment when Democrats say they must speak out against vicious threats and imagery that could give rise to this kind of violence and unfolded basically during the January 6th riot at the Capitol. That attack hung heavily over Wednesday's debate. It came up a lot. (laughs) The last time the House censured one of its members, the vote capped months of humiliating headlines over tax evasion, self-dealing, and other ethical lapses that had blemished the reputation of one of Congress's most powerful and colorful characters. That was Representative Charles B. Rangel. He was the Democrat of New York. Now, 
Speaker Pelosi herself read out that rebuke, which passed overwhelmingly with the support of many Democrats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we hold our own responsible, don't we? We sure do. <sighs> I think right. sometimes we even jump too fast with our own, but <laughs> let's not even get into that. Yeah, let's not. but i know who you're talking about (laughs) um steve bannon is pleading not guilty to the criminal contempt of congress charges against him that's according to a notice filed in a federal court on wednesday the notice came in advance of a hearing set for thursday today scheduled to be bannon's first appearance before the u.s district judge carl nichols who will oversee the case and any potential trial for contempt for failing to testify or turn over documents to the january 6th committee investigation Bannon said he did not need to have his charges read by the judge in open court, according to the filing. This should mean the court could skip a formal arraignment Thursday. The virtual status conference scheduled for the morning would then be a simple check-in with the judge to discuss timing and other procedural steps in the case. Bannon's plea kicks off court proceedings for what he has promised will be an acrimonious defense. The ex-advisor to the former guy had appeared in court Monday after being charged last week with one count related to his refusal to appear and the other count related to his refusal to produce documents. Each count carries a minimum of 30 days and a maximum of one year in jail, as well as a fine of up to $100,000. I'm telling you right now, he says, this is going to be the misdemeanor from hell for Attorney General Merrick Garland, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and Joe Biden. That's what he told reporters, uh, swearing his team is going to go on the offense. Like, that's like no shit. You're just, you were born offensive. Seriously. (laughs) Prosecutors did not seek to detain him before trial. Under conditions approved by the judge, Bannon agreed to weekly check-ins to surrender his passport, provide notice of any travel outside the district, and seek court approval for travel outside the continental United States. All right. Last story before we hit this awesome interview. President Joe Biden's infrastructure and social spending legislation will not add to inflationary pressures in the U.S. economy. Economists and analysts in leading rating agencies told Reuters on Tuesday. Biden has spent the past few months promoting the merits of both pieces of legislation. There's that $1.75 trillion Build Back Better plan and a separate $1 trillion infrastructure plan. So the two pieces of legislation, quote, should not have any real material impact on inflation. And that's from William Foster. He's the vice president and senior credit officer at Moody's Investor Service. And that's what he told Reuters. Now, the impact of the spending packages on the fiscal deficit will be rather small because they will be spread over a relatively long time horizon. Another quote, the bills do not add to inflation pressures as the policies help to lift long-term economic growth via stronger productivity and labor force growth and thus take the edge off of inflation. That's from Mark Zandi. He's the chief economist at Moody's Analytics, which operates independently, you should know this, from the parent company's ratings business. Hmm. Hmm. The bills do not add to inflation as the policies lift long-term economic growth via stronger productivity and labor force growth and take the edge off inflation. Seems okay, like a hear good that? deal. Hope everyone heard that. Everybody hear that? <laughs> Assholes on the right, I swear to God. <laughs> and uh, Jacob Chansley has been sentenced, and it's a, it's a good one. It's a good one. It wasn't what prosecutors asked for. I know that a lot of people are upset about that. But this bodes well, I think, for for the good guys in the future. And I'll discuss that with Adam Klasfeld of Law and Crime after this break. We're also going to talk about Travis McMichael deciding to testify in his own defense. Um, There's been a lot of that. Bad idea. A lot of that going around with these guys. So we're going to talk about that after the break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. 
Hey, everybody, it's AG. Today's episode of The Beans is brought to you by my favorite cereal, Magic Spoon. We're all trying to eat better, especially during the holidays. And if you want healthy, delicious cereal that doubles as a satisfying snack, Magic Spoon cereal is the answer. Magic Spoon has amazing flavors that you love, but without all the bad stuff. Zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving and only 140 calories. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. You can build your own custom bundle with flavors like cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, and more. Also, Magic Spoon just recently brought back two super popular flavors, cookies and cream and maple waffle. Make sure to get these again or try them for the first time. They're delicious and indulgent. I love them. And I love that Magic Spoon is healthy. Uh, it's perfect for guiltless midnight snacks. Go to magicspoon.com slash dailybeans to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code dailybeans, all one word, at checkout, and you'll save $5 off your order. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it has a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money without questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash dailybeans and use code dailybeans, all one word, to save $5 off. And thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring the episode. Today's show is also brought to you by BetterHelp. They provide professional online therapy whenever you need it most. We can all use a helping hand from time to time, and BetterHelp counselors are always there to provide support and guidance, no matter what you're going through. My experience with post-traumatic stress taught me it's always better to seek assistance rather than to try to deal with things alone. And it's hard to ask for help, but BetterHelp makes it easy and convenient. You can message your counselor at any time from anywhere in the world. You get timely responses and you can schedule weekly meetings by phone or video. It's more affordable than offline counseling, financial aids available, and changing counselors is easy and free. So visit BetterHelp's website and read testimonials like this one by user SA who says, Stacy was extremely helpful. She gave me lots of strategies to work on my anxiety. My weekly meetings with her were always stress-reducing and made me more confident in myself. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And you can join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. You get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Today, I'm joined by the host of the Objections podcast from Law and Crime, Adam Klasfeld. Hello, Adam. How are you? It's been like, it's been a while, I feel. <laughs> it has. It has. Good to see you again. Yeah, it's good to see you too. And uh, the reason I wanted to bring you on today is because of the story you've been working on with with regards to the Jacob Chansley sentencing. Can you remind everybody who he is and what went down today? Because it was an interesting day in court. Yes, it was. Well, he's a man who used to be known as QAnon shaman since, and his lawyer has insist, insisted that his client has dropped the Q part of his persona. In any event, he was being sentenced today to more than three years in prison for his role in the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. And he had a very long courtroom address, a little bit, roughly 30 minutes, uh, giving his speech to the federal judge. And what were some of the things that he talked about? Because I, I was reading, sort of following along on the tweets and kind of on, on a couple of different accounts, but it seemed meandering and long and unhelpful. Well, you know, how it might appear to those listening into the proceedings and how it resonated with the judge were two different things. So he was, he pontificated on many subjects. He, at a couple points, spoke about uh, comparing himself to Jesus Christ and Mahatma Gandhi. He talked about the news media controversializing him in his words and to grappling with mental illness. And it was, as you said, pretty meandering. Yet at the end of the address, uh, Judge Lambert did 
mentioned, did praise his remarks and uh, even in, invoke Martin Luther King's speeches <laughs> in reference to him. Um, I, now, to kind of contextualize that, he also gave a stiff sentence within the federal guidelines after that. It was, uh, but it was at the lower end. The prosecutors wanted wanted him to impose the higher end of the federal sentencing guidelines. And the, the federal sentencing guidelines in this case were 41 to 51 months. Exactly. And they asked for 51 and they got 41. And uh, I think it's of note that Jacob Chansley wasn't being uh, accused of any of violence against, like he didn't assault any officers or, or anything. They didn't steal any property or anything like that. Can you explain maybe why the sentencing guidelines for him, as opposed to some of the earlier, you know, just quote unquote trespassers, Mm -hmm. why this was felony, they were misdemeanor? Like, what's the difference here? I think a lot of people are having a hard time understanding why he got so much more time than some of these other folks who only got, you know, zero or three months or two months who maybe roughly did the same thing. What's the difference? Well, it comes down to what he pleaded to. He pleaded to a felony. Um, obstructing an official proceeding here, the congressional certification of President Biden's electoral victory. So part of it was that he was on the dock facing sentencing for a felony. And that's why he didn't get the same as what's been called the tourist cases, the kind of misdemeanor cases of you just walked into the Capitol. There were other reasons for that calculation. He was the one who had left a note at Mike Pence's dais saying that justice is coming. He said the full quote, it's only a matter of time, justice is coming. He was, in the words of the judge, the very image of the riot, in the words of the federal prosecutor, a flag bearer of January 6th. And that was a bit of a play on words because he was the one carrying a U.S. flag with a pointed tip that the prosecutors described as a as a spear like object so in calling him the flag bearer obviously he's a guy with the horns the guy with the coyote fur headdress he's the image of it and so the image may have played a role in the sentencing but more to the point it was that he was he pleaded down to a felony as opposed to all of these parade of misdemeanor cases that the chief justice, chief judge of the District of BC said, were would be the type of charges that would usually be paid off with a ticket. So it's a much more serious offense to plead down to felony obstruction than to picketing, parading on Capitol grounds. And was he? Did he have like an official cooperation agreement or was he just cooperative? Did the judge say anything about that? There there was no real discussion about that during the hearing. He made a point to say during his address that once he knew that he was being looked at, he reached out and made himself available. That wasn't anything that factored into sentencing so far as was audible during the sentencing hearing. It was basically about, as you noted, he was not accused of assaulting anyone, unlike the literally hundreds of other people who were charged with assaulting or interfering with law enforcement on January 6th. And that would explain why he was sentenced on the lower end of the guidelines. And so far as why he got such a 
stiff punishment, a three-year, more than three-year sentence, was more explained by the obstruction charge. Yeah, I see. Because I know that we did see someone who had assaulted an officer get, I think, 44 months. So it'll be interesting to see how these, how the sentencing goes going forward as they they're kind of getting out of the early cooperator misdemeanor folks and into the felony cooperating folks. And then we're going to start seeing the non cooperating <laughs> felons. <laughs> and then we get up into some conspiracy stuff. But I mean, this is how delayed the court docket is because of the COVID backup and, and just the sheer number of cases that are having to go through this. Absolutely. And federal cases take a while to process generally. I mean, in the beat that I traditionally cover, the Southern District of New York, um, it's not uncommon for cases to take it. There, there are high profile cases that sometimes take well over a, a year. And particularly in the time of COVID, where there are delays and this speedy trial clock is paused for unavoidable issues that whether they're related to complicated discovery or the pandemic or anything like that. And then he, he's been in jail for like 10 months. Did he get time served? Yes. So the judge said that the time already served, which his lawyer calculated at 317 days and counting, will go toward that more than three year sentence. So it's got close to a year under his belt already. Then after that, he'll have supervised release. He has to pay a $2,000 fine. Hmm. All right. Interesting. And we'll, you know, we'll keep an eye on these cases as they as they keep happening because they're going to for a while. (laughs) And speaking of maybe talking too much. I wanted to talk to you about Travis McMichael, but I have to take a quick break. Would you hang on? Absolutely. Great. Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's Allison for The Beans. Let me ask you a question. Are you getting enough? I bet you would love more. Well, our sponsor today is Adam and Eve, and they want to give you more with 50% off just about any item plus free shipping on your entire order. You know, for more than 50 years, Adam and Eve has built a reputation as a trusted and reliable adult toy store that takes pleasure and privacy seriously. When you want to shop erotic toys, Adam and Eve has it all. Men, women, straight, gay, anywhere in between, Adam and Eve has everything you're looking for uh, for amazing variety of erotic products. So what do you have to do to get 50% off one item and free shipping? It's not hard. Just go to adamandeve.com, select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy or anything you desire. Just enter offer code dailybeans, all one word at checkout. And you'll get 50% off almost any item. Go check out adamandeve.com today. Select one of the items, get 50% off of that. And then you get free shipping when you enter offer code DAILYBEANS. That's D-A-I-L-Y-B-E-A-N-S at adamandeve.com. We've all heard about supply chain issues and delivery issues every day on the news. So don't wait on your Adam and Eve order. Shop now, shop early and hurry while supplies last. Today's show is also brought to you by Upstart. Uh, If you dread looking at your credit card statements, you are not alone. The weight of debt can be crippling, but Upstart can help put you on the path to financial freedom. You know, you make those minimum payments on high interest rates and nothing ever changes, but Upstart can help you make that final payment so you can get ahead. It's easy to pay off your debt with an online personal loan with Upstart. Over a million people have used Upstart to consolidate their high interest debt or pay off credit cards or fund personal expenses with one fixed low monthly payment. Because Upstart looks beyond your credit score. You're more than just a number. They can find you a better loan rate with their trusted partners by considering other factors like your income history, your current employment, your employment history, and your credit history. And you can check your rate without impacting your credit score free and in minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can even receive funds as fast as one business day after acceptance of your loan. Find out how Upstart can help lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. 
and please use our URL to let them know we sent you. Your loan amount will be determined based on your credit, income, and other certain information provided in your loan application. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. Everybody, welcome back. We are talking with Adam Klasfeld from The Objections, host of The Objections podcast, which is back again. We're going to talk about that in a second. But I wanted to ask you about there's just seems to be a lot of people testifying in their own defense for some reason <laughs> recently, which I've been told is always a bad idea. I mean, unless, you know, your Judge Schroeder <laughs> is presiding over your case. But that's a story for another day. Let's talk about <laughs> Travis McMichael, because this is the and uh, his his father, I think, and another person are on trial for the murder of Ahmed Arbery. And he he testified in his own defense today. Tell us a little bit about that. It was from what I understand. He didn't do himself any favors. Well, you know, when you put yourself on the witness stand as a criminal defendant, it you open yourself up to vigorous grilling and cross-examination by prosecutors. And that's what happened today. He had a, a during direct examination. He, by his own attorney, it was a kind of friendly questioning. And he openly, you know, admitted it off. I shot him, referring to Arbery. And that wasn't under dispute. It's, you, you know, everyone has seen the video. but. He tried to, in, his testimony was portraying essentially Arbery as the aggressor and claiming that Arbery grabbed the shotgun and that he, the whole picture that the defense is portraying of Travis McMichael is that he's a guy who was in the U.S. Coast Guard and that he's using his law enforcement training to protect the neighborhood. That's the defense. When it came to cross examination, you have the prosecutor trying to undermine that by eliciting other information about his training. For example, <laughs> that he was trained on the Fifth Amendment right to remain silent. During his direct examination, <laughs> Travis Michael portrayed it as suspicious that Arbery wouldn't answer his questions about what he was doing. And so he, so you have the prosecutor saying, essentially, hey, weren't you trained on the right to remain silent? And if he doesn't want to talk to you, he doesn't want to look, talk to you. You need to let him go. She's picking up systematically using that defense and the whole this was my law enforcement training from the U.S. Coast Guard to point out other aspects of his training that were entirely glossed over during the direct examination. Got him to say that he never said until his lawyer got him on the witness stand that he wanted to effectuate a citizen's arrest. So the cross-examination has just gotten started, but what we're going to see that continues tomorrow morning is there will be more vigorous grilling by this assistant district attorney picking apart the bones of essentially his defense. And that's why it's always said that testifying in your own defense is a risky move. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll be watching. I know you're on Rittenhouse Verdict Watch, and we'll all be following the McMichael trial or McMichaels's trial. <laughs> and, um, you know, we'll keep in touch. And tell us tell us about uh, objections, because you've got a new episode out and and would like to hear about that and, and, and what you're what you're up to. Thank you very much. Well, the new episode is an interview with Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Jill Karofsky. She was one of the justices who was elected, she was elected essentially months before the 2020 presidential race. And this was very significant because had she not been elected, the 
Trump attempt to overturn the election with within Wisconsin could have turned out differently. Remember, that was a 4-3 decision. And she was the judge that no one had expected her election in that state because of the pandemic. Wisconsin refused to delay the election, but she won handily by more than 10 points. And when the case went to an oral arguments there, she was the one who said to Trump's attorney, Jim Troopas, that this lawsuit smacks of racism. That was her quote. She was she said to him that he is trying to install Trump as a king. And she got a lot of pushback from that. And she talked about the atmosphere of intimidation that we've heard all across the country against public servants. And in this case, judges presiding over the case. She also pointed out a fact that wasn't readily apparent. Now, remember, the Wisconsin Supreme Court arguments happened in the time of coronavirus. They were Zoom proceedings that were accessible to the public. Outside the scope of the cameras, she told me, looking out the window, she could see armed protesters circling the building. So there were armed protesters circling the Wisconsin State Capitol, which is where the Supreme Court is located on the second floor there. And so when people were watching that, they could see the judges questioning the attorneys from their perches. And but they could not see just outside the window the site uh, which the judges were aware of, or at least Justice Karofsky was <laughs> keenly aware of there that there were armed protesters circling the building. She, of course, there have been widespread reports before this episode aired that she and Justice Dalit were both subjected to anti-Semitic attacks, that there were threats against the judges that the chief of Wisconsin Supreme Court justice spoke out about in defense of her colleagues. So this was something that greeted this 4-3 decision. And that was the subject of our interview. Wow. Amazing. I encourage everybody to listen to it. That sounds really gripping and kind of terrifying if I'm a judge, given a lot of recent news about about what's been, you know, what's been happening with death threats and, and actual judges getting shot. And um, that's just truly incredible. I had no idea about that. So everybody listen to the Objections podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we appreciate your time today, Adam. We'll be talking soon, I'm sure. Thank you very much, Allison. Always a pleasure. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back for the good news. Hey, everybody. It's AG. You know, I'm always looking for healthy snacks. I love snacks. I'm a snacker. I love snacks so much. But the problem is that healthy snacks usually aren't very satisfying. But I recently tried Monk Pack. They're snacks that taste like our favorite sugary treats, but with only one gram of sugar or less. Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars have just one gram of sugar, two to three grams of net carbs, and only 140 calories each. They're gluten-free, grain-free, plant-based, non-GMO. They don't have any soy or trans fats, no sugar alcohols, and no high-intensity sweeteners. And you don't have to be keto to love these. Uh, I've just been trying to eat better, and Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars have helped me so much because they're a great healthy snack that's actually filling and satisfying. Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars come in delicious flavors like coconut cocoa chip, peanut butter, and blueberry almond vanilla. Mmm, blueberry almond vanilla is my favorite right now. It's so good. Uh, Chewy texture, delicious, no high-intensity sweeteners, no weird aftertaste. Try it for yourself and you'll see. We have a special deal for listeners. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at checkout. And Monk Pack is so confident in their product. It has a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product for you for something you like better or they'll refund your money, whatever you want. 
So to get started, just go to monkpack.com, select any product, enter code DAILYBEANS at checkout, and you'll save 20% off your purchase. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K, Monkpack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on, and we thank them for sponsoring the show. And today's show is also brought to you by Tomboy X. After dealing with bad fits and ugly designs, I finally found the perfect pair of underwear at Tomboy X. Tomboy X has made underwear that actually gets me. Uh, I got the new boy shorts in the metamorphosis print, and I, I love the fit and the look and the feel. All boldly, all-inclusive underwear since 2014, Tomboy X caters to all body types, genders, and sizes. All sizes. From boxer briefs to bikinis, boy shorts to bras, every Tomboy X pair is made to fit you and how you see yourself. And besides underwear, they have loungewear and swimwear. They have socks, tees, and accessories. Quality, fit, and inclusivity are the hallmarks of every product they sell. Their attention to detail includes no back seams to ensure a comfortable fit that never rides up. Plus silky waistbands that don't roll down, which I love because I'm high-waisted and all the other underwear always had them rolling down. These do not. And no matter what size or shape you are, Tomboy X has the underwear that all bodies will love. And with their love at first wear guarantee, you can order risk-free while you find your perfect fit. There's nothing to lose. Discover your inner Tomboy. And let me get you started with my special discount code. Go to TomboyX.com and enter code DAILYBEANS. All one word to get an extra 20% off. That's 20% off. When you enter Daily Beans at TomboyX.com. These are perfect holiday gifts. You're going to love these. TomboyX.com. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, everybody. Welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news. It's on the way. And if you have any good news or corrections or you want to send photos, I want all the photos. Just send all of the photos, especially pets. Or kids, babies. Dana loves the baby photos. Oh, I love the baby photos. I, w- I would like to see photos of their feet. I want to eat their feet. Not I, literally. I, totally. I just, you know what I mean, though? Oh, yeah. Send baby feet. For sure. I just want to eat the baby feet. Uh, little rolls, little leg rolls. Anything you yes. got, we'll take them. Oh, they're little chubbies. I love oh, it. They're so adorable. Anything you want to send in, send that in to us. And uh, you can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. So first up, there's already a handsome cat staring oh. at me. And uh, here we go. This is from Debbie. No pronouns given. Allison, I'm listening to today's show and heard you talking about being assaulted over the weekend with your friend. Wishing you good vibes and hugs. It's such a joy listening to you and Dana. Take care. Here's my pet tax. I thought you might like to see my girls, Bella, Shelby and Gypsy. Bella is the big fuzzball. Shelby is the little white one. And the tabby is Gypsy. They bring me peace. So maybe they will give you some too. Love to you and your team. Oh, they do. Although... The second photo here, it looks like my demise is being plotted. by. Oh, yeah. Cat. Don't touch the food. Oh, but look at the blap on the last fluff. Oh, <laughs> thank you for those pictures so much. I appreciate oh, that. My goodness. All right. You want to hit the next two here? They're relatively. I'm short. happy to. This one's from Mo in Miami. No pronouns given. Dear Allison, Dana and Amy. Thanks for all you do. Halloween is my second favorite holiday after Mardi Gras. A Halloween photo a day until Turkey Day. Photo is from 2017. Nice. Uh, one a day. I'm excited. And yep. I want that dress. I need that dress. You got uh, that. All and right. this, I love the stripies. Good to try. So good. I love it. All right. I can't wait to see those up until Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. This next one's from Diane, pronouns she and her. This may not seem to be a big deal to some people, but as I was polishing my long neglected silverware for Thanksgiving, I realized my mental health is good enough to take care of this chore that seemed like way too much for longer than I can remember. I have a whole plan to make dinner for my family and sister friend. Yes, with green bean casserole. Ah. For, yes, delicious. For pet tax, attached is a photo of Euclid. But I call him Ookie. He is, in general, a good kitty. 
in general, yeah, I can see some mischief happening with this cat. Oh, yeah. What a ham. Like, what a ham sandwich. Look at him looking at you. So sweet. Thank you for that. Next up from James, pronouns he and him. On Wednesday's show, DG commented that she'd never heard the expression squaring the circle before. I've got some history of that expression. Yes, you're here interested. we go. I am interested. I'm not interested. On to the next story. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, the next story is also about squaring the circle, so you might as well just stop here. <laughs> Damn, all right. Uh, squaring the circle is an ancient problem in geometry, literally ancient. It, its roots go back to Egypt in 1800 BC. It comes from the Greek approach to geometric or geometry, which involved constructing shapes using only a compass and a ruler. Uh-huh. You might remember this sort of thing from grade school. I do. And that metal pokey thing was dangerous. I can't believe they let us carry those. Seriously. Kids. All Greek math was based on this approach. All of the math problems addressed in Euclid's elements used this approach. One of the pro- that's weird that we just can we just talk about that the cat was Euclid. OK, Euclid. I just want to make sure we touched on that. OK. All right. That's a uh, wow. It's Euclid day. On All right. One of the problems the Greeks tried to solve was constructing a square that had the same area as a given circle. No one could find a method for doing this, at least not one that they could prove was correct. Over the centuries, squaring the circle came to mean doing the impossible. Ah. It also turned into a playground for crank amateur mathematicians to the point that Lewis Carroll considered publishing a book collecting all the most popular crank proofs so that people wouldn't have to waste their time with them. It wasn't actually proven impossible until 1882. Turns out the ancient Greek compass and ruler approach to geometry can only solve the same problems as basic algebraic expressions. But this problem requires deriving the value of pi, which is not algebraic. I was going to say you just find the area of a circle and then that's. Yeah, though, in spite of the 1882 proof, there are still cranks churning out squaring the circle claims today. Oh, my God, really? Flat earthers. It's probably the flat earthers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Flatting the globe. It was used as a metaphor for attempting the impossible as far back as Aristophanes' play, The Birds, in 414 BC. Dante, Alexander Pope, and Gilbert and Sullivan all used the metaphor in their work as well. Wow, this is amazing. Uh, For pod pet tax, more photos of cobalt and denim. This month is cobalt's 15th birthday and denim's is 14 next month. They're both doing great, if a little slower than they were 10 years ago. Oh, they're still so beautiful, James. I love seeing them every time. They've got a good life, too. I love how much they are at the beach. So when James said you have to derive the value of pi, which is not algebraic, that's what you need to find the area of a circle. And once you find the area of a circle, you can uh, probably root it and then you know, reverse engineer the square. Um, Then you're squaring the circle. So it's kind of easy these days. I'm just going to let you have that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm watching you and I'm like, okay, this next one's anonymous and no pronouns given. Square the circle. Here we go. I've heard this in reference to Circleville, Ohio, a town whose original layout had a unique circular road system with a diameter of Hopewell traditional earthwork site. Within the innermost circle was the courthouse and the plaza, with additional ring roads spanning out from the plaza. Due to dissatisfaction in the town's layout, the Ohio General Assembly authorized the Circleville Squaring Company to make the alter... This could be fucking bullshit and I wouldn't even know. I'll have to look it up. I'm sure it's true, but it, it sounds sketchy right now. To make the alterations to change the ring grid to a traditional square grid. Now, over the course of 19 years, this work was completed, and we now know the square circle of Circleville. Oh, the square town of Circleville. The square oh town God. of Circleville. 
I know this is a true story, so no need to write an anonymous. I totally believe you. It just sounded a little Dr. Susie during that during that moment. <laughs> the squares down in Circleville didn't yes. know what to do. Yeah, and the star belly snitches. drive fast. They wanted to go through. Yeah, I can just I yeah. can hear it. So today, there is no trace of the earthworks, but some buildings retain curved walls that were part of the original circular plan. Thank you so much for that. Ah, so Ohioans also trying to square the circle. Interesting. And, you know, I was just recently in Boston and my, you know, my friend who I was up there visiting t- tells me, I was like, what the fuck is up with your roads? She's like, oh, these are old cow paths. And then they just decided to make them roads. Oh, my God. That way ever since. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Yep. Next up from Steph, pronouns she and her. Hi, hello to the morning voices in my head. Can I just tell you how often I start a sentence with, oh, my God, let me tell you what happened on the Daily Beans today. <laughs> Thank you so much for the hours of love and laughter. I'm writing today to share a shit kids say, but in this case, it was shit kids right. My almost 10-year-old daughter has many interesting and unique hobbies, including making up songs about a fictional cockroach. Oh. I, I don't ask questions. I just laugh at the unique creature she is discovering herself to be. To that end, while making out her Christmas list, she wrote that she would like a remote-controlled cockroach for Christmas. As she wrote this request, however, she made a mistake and had to cross out and rewrite a portion of the word. Uh-oh. As kids are apt to do, the corrected part is located far from the original. So this list that my wife photocopies and sends to her family every year, for all the world, like my daughter, is asking for a remote-controlled cock. (laughs) I mean, you and every other woman out there, I'm sure. Well, not the lesbians, but the straight ones. I'm including a picture of her Halloween costume. She told us she wanted to be a haunted school picture, so we did our best to bring her vision to life. This amazing kid, dude. She was quite proud of it. Parenting win. And my wife will be out of town for Thanksgiving due to a family emergency. So it'll be just the girl and me. Our plan is to not have a turkey, but rather only the food Charlie Brown served to his friends. Oh, well, my God. And homemade chicken nuggets, too, because those are her favorites. This kid. That picture. This kid's awesome. Thanks again, AGDGAC and the rest. And the rest. <laughs> you truly are the voices of my mornings. I can't imagine a better way to start the day. <gasps> oh, Steph. That is fantastic. What does this note say? I don't know, but I love this kid. Oh, it tells you right after the next picture, honey. Oh, okay. Once upon a time, a a generation of women went to a school. All was well until one of the women broke a man's heart on Halloween day. The next day, they were both found dead. Wow. So after that day on Halloween, a girl from that family would be gone. So on this day of Halloween, it was picture day. And the man looking through the camera saw something in the picture of her. But when he looked up, the girl was gone. And look at that head, that that grabbing the girl out of the picture. It's brilliant. (laughs) I love this. That is fantastic. Just the creativity. I want to be a haunted school picture for Halloween. I know. That's so great. And the remote controlled cock. Yeah. I, and I, I wish we had a picture of that Christmas list. Um, oh, yeah. Honestly. Yeah. If you have that stuff, send that our way. <laughs> Thank you for sending this in. This is amazing. It reminds me of the old double ended dildo story. Oh, remember? yeah. Yeah. That was a classic. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, and uh, do you have any final thoughts? I do not. Today is not the day for any final thoughts. <laughs> All right. Tune in tomorrow to see if Dana has any <laughs> final thoughts. <laughs> Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill. And I've been Dana Goldberg. And them's the beans. 
The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill, with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.